What's going on, everybody? This is James Grandmaster Facts Voice, and welcome once again to another episode of The Facts Project. Today, I'm going to be doing something a little bit different. So for a lot of things that pretty much have been happening in the news in regards to comics, of course, it's been a great 2021 as far as comics have been concerned, whether it's been the uh, the pretty much the inevitability that we were going to start the next phase of Marvel within the Disney plus. So we, we basically got WandaVision and to continue that saga, we now have reached the epicenter of probably episode four um, into five of Falcon and the winter soldier. The big thing that's kind of like brought on a lot of the talk around this series is a couple of facets uh, for one, a lot of people do not, <laughs> and it's weird to even say it, is that a lot of people do not like to generalize the characters being brought up in this current day society and having to see uh, topics unbeknownst to them brought up as either uh, racist ideologies um, and also pre uh, prejudicial uh, facets of how the comic worked, whether it was whether it was with Isaiah Bradley, whether it was with Sam himself, uh, whether it was with um, Io, uh, who has come from Wakanda to retrieve Zemo for the first time, her even having the the detrimental attitude to just like show off her true self, and it was wonderful to see her just like take hold of this entire series, bringing the Dora Milaje into the, into this show and just initializing, initializing himself early on and just showing you exactly what it's like to be a fugitive of Wakanda. Cause the motherfuckers will come after your ass and notice this is not the first time. Okay. So when the Dora Milaje basically coming in there for Zeno, Zemo, um, not only did they step on that territory and confront Bucky about it and say, hey, look, we coming. She actually gave him a couple days. And then pretty much after that, after that fact whatsoever, she showed up. She was not trying to hear Bucky's excuses. And she showed out to the point where it left good old fake proud boy John Walker defeated. And that didn't resonate too well with a lot of audiences. You know, that there was a and and also even the fact that Io had a fail safe for Bucky's arm. Like, come on. Wakanda has been a hidden nation for many years with a very, very potent resource of vibranium beneath them, which has been stolen from them in the past. For anybody that does not know, Ulysses Claw has stolen vibranium from Wakanda. And in that, in that context, they went for years looking for this man because he was literally just out there, you know, treating it like it was the black market. So I'm pretty sure when, of course, uh, some stolen property, somebody who had killed their king before in the past, uh, King T'Chaka, because Winter Soldier did that before, and they made sure that, you know, of course, Zemo was ultimately responsible for Winter Soldier uh, counteracting that that action to where King T'Chaka died. But at the end of this, you know, we got to think about it. You know, Wakanda ain't no, the Dora Milaje is not 
no no small facet in the Marvel Universe. They are not protected by their king. They protect their king. You know, they defend the kingdom and they protect the king. So T'Challa, although they are the king's bodyguards, if anybody knows how strong T'Challa is, imagine his bodyguards who are there to protect him, walk and step, hand and foot, rose petals the floor. This is exactly what they have. So I am ultimately satisfied by how this series has has unfolded. I mean, no, I'm not even pretty. I'm not even interested anymore of how it's going to dissolve with the revealing of the power broker or anything like that. At this point, there's two episodes left. There has to be a confrontation with uh, John Walker and Falcon has to become Captain America at some point in time. If it's not within this series, then when we don't know. And that's the thing. It might be an open-ended question by the end of this and it'll be sourly fucked up, but you know, in a couple months, we do get a, Lo- a Loki uh, Disney Plus show, so everybody's mindsets will shift once again. In this same time frame, Invincible's going on. And, and, and I talk about this much, that it is still, to this day, one of the greatest comic series that ever was. You know, it's a family story. There is goriness amongst OP characters. There is an array of uh, subtleties as far as like how they how they've uh, created parallels of some some characters that you possibly seen between Marvel and DC. Note this is an image skybound collaboration that has been around for years. Robert Kirkland, creator of The Walking Dead, created this show, and to see Mark Grayson on screen, to see Omni Man on screen, and and. This, this storyline came out in 2003. It's beyond dope. It's beyond dope to anybody who's seen it. And and I, I felt like it was rushed, like in the first, first four episodes. Because those first three episodes that we got when it debuted were pretty much, uh, I would say, 12 issues of the comic. Know the a general single issue comic is about like 22 to 26 pages. And we got 12, probably we were probably up to issue 12 when we got to uh, the Guardians of the Globe getting murdered in that horrific scene by Omni Man. And you're pretty much now trying to find out the motive of the vitral mites and why Omni Man was picked as a protector of Earth. And what happened to him to basically for him to start his family, get a little bit of ease and emotion inside of him, and he settled. But something snapped into him. It was like, okay, I got to get back on my job because there's a dastardly plan behind this. And there's a lot more characters that people don't even know about that haven't even been introduced in this series. Battle Beast just got introduced, and that was beyond anybody's imagination. Now, now, note. Battle Beast is a pivotal character in the series. There's many more. There's even more Vitral Mites that are going to be introduced in this series. People that are of the race of beings that, that Omni-Man is and Mark Grayson is half. But, you know, 
uh, once again, you got all these like uh, connotations of other superhero uh, superhero comics and everything like that. It kind of plays a little bit of a funny part into it, which is fine. I mean, but you know, like uh, the 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 gentleman Titan who uh, just showed up in the um, in this latest issue, pretty much looks like Luke Cage. You know, he can he can conjure his entire body into stone. He can get shot at, won't happen. Sometimes it breaks off, but he's able to grow it back. And it almost looked like what season two of, uh, I'm sorry, season three of Luke Cage would have been if they'd have continued the show. You know, where Luke Cage at the end of season two looked like it, the only way for him to actually stay settled in his crime ring was to actually go bad. You know, if he has to run the town, he's got to run the town like a boss. And I don't mean a boss like, you know, like he's just waving to people in the street and everything. He's got to hold people accountable, hold people in check. And Titan devised this plan, utilizing Invincible to the best of his abilities. And now with the <laughs> with, I guess, the disabling of Machine Head, he is now controlling the city. And he did all that. All of that for the the loving care and 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 security of his family notably his girl and and his little daughter and wanted to make sure they were safe and you know what he played his part he definitely looked like he had some common sense and invincible's just showing like aspects of that and the thing is these are the these are the type of comics that you wanted to see everything doesn't have to be marvel and dc everything doesn't have to be superhero Okay, we've lived in a world where um, comic books don't have to necessarily derive from people with capes. They don't have to derive from OP characters. Like uh, the way I look at Invincible, although it it shows an array of people with OP overpowered abilities, like it it shows the vulnerability of them because of how gory the show is. It shows you that there, it, like it's a little bit, it's more real than, than most. When you're seeing the gory side of, you know, people actually getting fucked up by an OP character or another OP character and exactly what they can do to a human body or exactly what they can do to another person. Like that scene with Omni-Man and Guardians of the Globe, that's, it's pretty much in all of our heads for probably three decades. If you're if you're that old, that's what you initialized in your head that Superman could do. When you when you thought about him versus Batman, you thought, "Yo, Superman could fucking just squeeze this motherfucker's head. He could probably burn this whole burn Gotham down to the ground." Like, fuck secret identities. He could just, like, annihilate this whole shit. That's what you tend to realize with, like, characters like Omni-Man and Mark Grayson. If you remember in that, I think it was the second episode where um, those race of, like, insect-type alien creatures had been coming, they've been coming back and forth into Earth, just trying to come better and better at invading Earth. And it finally, like, Omni-Man got back to full health. And they were trying to run back in their dimension because they had just got their ass whipped for, like, the third time. 
And then Omni-Man literally just runs through the portal and is annihilating the crew. Not only annihilating the crew, annihilating the fucking planet. The whole planet. whole planet turned to dust. I'm, what was it, Mark Grayson? I think he went home. He told his mom. He was like, what happened, uh, what happened to you? Is your father uh, okay? It was like, yeah, he went through a portal to like another dimension. I think it was like another planet or something like that. And she was like, oh, well, he, that means he'll be late for dinner. I'm like, because she even understands how crazily strong and OP this guy is. It's, it's like dealing with a serial killer. Like having the know-how to be like, be in a relationship with somebody that is unstoppable. Regardless of the plan. You know, like he he killed an entire world, aged a little bit because he had like hair on his face and everything. So it took a few days. And then made it back home to make love to his wife. This is the shit we talking about. You know. So like so to have first off, we're getting spoiled, OK? We are getting spoiled. Marvel and DC have had shows that have been on TV and the movies that we're getting. Snyder Cut finally just got on uh, TV earlier this month, maybe like a few weeks ago. Never thought, I can't say never thought, but I thought in my head, would there be a day where I would like not, not only regularly see superheroes on TV, and no, I saw the X-Men cartoons and everything when I was young, the animated X-Men series, the animated Spider-Man series, the Justice League series, which were all awesome. The Batman Beyond series, which was all awesome. But to actually like put it out there that we're seeing myriads of comic book characters and you're getting all of these new fans, you know? So it allows people to be gatekeepers <laughs> and I try I try not to get involved in that because yes I am a avid reader of comics um to the point where yeah I can pinpoint something when I see it in a comic if it's something that I've read where I'm like oh this is the part where where like such and such happens or or you know something that I've seen you know this is the part where Superman dies or something like that but the thing is I've kind of gotten to the point where, and I've had a um, a small talk on IG lives with with people about uh, the difference or the the juggling that tends to go on between source material and cinematic universes. There's only but so much you can do. Okay, it's a two hour movie, and you're trying to fit in subtleties and interesting plot points from comic book series into a two-hour movie. You can only do but so much. So most of the things that you see within those movies, they have to flip because they don't want to make it predictable. So they don't want a person like me who has read tons of comics to be like, yo, all right, I know what's going to happen in, in this entire movie. Watch this part right here. 
oh, 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 hold up. There's another part coming up right here. And they don't want that to happen. So they start flipping things. So, and in between them, you know, Marvel and DC, they've gotten smart. What they do now with the age of social media is that they play on, they play on our emotions and what we see. So that whole thing when um when Foggy started introducing Easter eggs and after credit scenes and everything like that, and those little like tidbits might leak onto the internet or they might not, and uh, something that you might have seen from a comic, whether it was a weapon or a helmet or maybe like a skull that was in the shape of somebody or anything like that. The way that the world works now in the age of information is that if I can give you a hint and say somebody like me or even smarter than me that reads way into detail in the comics, when they find something that I'm pretty sure they've read that they possibly have, they get that gatekeeper aspect that only them would be able to put, point out that one thing. They put it on the internet they tell everybody what it was and then they watch the clicks happen. Then certain people get to retweet it or share it or whatever, whatever they got to do. And it goes on for days. And then like another interesting fact, then you'll get somebody, somebody that's just as smart sees that post points out the origin of like where it came from and everything like that. Now you're bouncing off. You're making, you're basically making a tree off of an Easter egg. And this is where social media just has its field day. Then you'll get conflicting issues, negative reviews, arguments going back and forth about it. And it builds up into this fucking massive bubble. Massive bubble of bullshit. All the while, Marvel DC and the people that, you know, have have uh, in this day and age worked for those companies or work for Disney or God knows who, WB. They just sit back and just let you do self-promo. You know? I mean, shoot. As much as I, I, I try to give uh, Zack Snyder the benefit of the doubt, okay, he got screwed out of his first movie. He ends up finally putting a movie out. It was four hours long. Actually was a whole lot better than the first one. But the marketing and what it take and what it took to get that movie made is genius. You look, you cannot say the fact that okay, generally when a movie sucks, there is no remake. That's just bottom line. You know what I'm saying? I mean, even if he was gonna make a another whack ass movie again. The fact that he got it done. But the thing is, it wasn't whack to me. To me, I said that shit was way better. Let's be real. Let's be real about it. Like that, that was, it was a better movie. I'm not going to say it was like, it didn't make me, it wasn't no coming to Christ movement or anything like that. But the thing is, he got a boatload of fans where he told people that he got robbed of his first movie. And if I put this out there as much as I, as I can, and then he started to build up this army around it. And then he started calling those fans, associate producers. 
And then they all got T-shirts that said they were the associate producer of the Snyder Cut. And, you know, like those people were were given blue check marks on, you know, like like other other podcasts and and other influence. He had influencers like basically like pushing this movie out and everything like that. Like, come on, bro, man, that's what company that's what Fortune 500 companies do. They get influencers involved. Those influencers have tons of followers. And then those tons of followers that they have, they push that onto them. You're going to probably get like a third of the motherfuckers to believe that shit. Then they're going to start peddling that out. And then because Zach thinks, Zach thinks that movie is like godlike. And then that influencer thinks that movie is godlike. Then the followers think that shit is godlike. Then the rest of the audience is just sitting there like some some peasants waiting for this fucking uh this torch to fly in the sky. It, it's marketing. It's marketing one on one, man. This is exactly what these guys do day in and day out. You know, they just like pick their moments and they put it out there and then there it is. Like it's it's there for it. And then when it finally drops, you know what I'm saying? Like even even now, I don't I don't know if it's died down a little bit, but now they want to restore the Snyder first which is like basically a continuation on what's going to happen with the justice league, because they, they did leave it a little bit open-ended with that ending where Martian Manhunter just talked to talk to Batman and basically told him that a war is coming. I was like, Martian Manhunter ain't fighting this whole fucking movie. He going to talk about a war is coming, but they left it open-ended in order for, you know, the movies to continue. But half of those actors dropped out because DC still doesn't know what to do with their talent. But it's not going to stop them from making movies. Everything that you that you see that are DC properties, Marvel properties, image properties, Valiant properties, uh, TKO presents and everything. I want I, I would I want to see everything hit the board. I want no comic book complacency to happen. Like it, people have to realize everything is not going to be superhero. There's sci-fi, there's great sci-fi comics. There, there's tons of Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars properties within Dr. Afra or just the, the Darth Vader series that came out through Marvel. There's tons of storylines based on the comic books that they still haven't even approached yet that are excellent, just as excellent as anything that they put on paper in hard, hard covers or paperbacks, you know? So I, I don't even think we've reached that potential yet. We haven't. You know, we haven't reached the epicenter where... Uh, where there's a little bit of normalcy in a lot of the, the comic books that are coming out, you know, like, uh, like I, I talk about it often to where the old DC vertigo label back when it was just vertigo before DC bottom and everything like that, like history for violence, V for vendetta Watchmen before they basically got, uh, before Vi uh, uh, vertigo got bought out by DC. These are all properties of, of uh of of a comic book road to perdition is a gangster flick that is also a comic book you know v for vendetta is a comic book the crow with brandon lee is a comic book these are all comic books 
sometimes comic books put out the best material because they allow you to, to see, you know, interesting sociopolitical storylines, science, science fiction storylines, fantasy storylines. Like most of the comic books that are sitting that I have behind me, all these ind independent comic books and everything, I hope that, I hope, for one, I hope that all of them get adapted into some type of anything because there's interesting creators all over the board. And they're putting out Kickstarters every day. Every day. And they're putting out great material. You know, like the, the fact that within the past couple of years, within the pandemic, that we've had the opportunity to see tons of independent filmmakers, tons of independent creators put out boatloads of work that, that people necessarily didn't know, including myself. And then you finally get to read these projects and it's like gold. It's just something that I feel as though everybody needs to see. So if you haven't taken the opportunity to get on Kickstarter, and just look up comics. Fund a project. Guaranteed, it just read somebody's bio, read what the storyline is going to be like, see if it interests you. Fund the project. If it gets funded and it gets in your hands, fund the next project they put out. Keep that going. By then, you have a boatload of stories. All right? that are pretty much in your hand and you play a small piece in it. You know, I can say for a very long time, I've wanted to put my own storylines out. I love to read. I love to read the comic books that I'm getting. I love to talk to the creators that I've been able to talk to. It's, it's an excellent time for comics. It's an excellent time for a comic podcast. You know, shout out to uh, For All Nerds, which I watch religiously. Shout out to Chilling with, Chillin with Villains, which is an excellent DC podcast. Shout out to my, my brothers, the Party Nerds, who put out awesome work, including myself, because I'm always, I'm always on there with them. You know, it's a it's a great time when the Wednesday pull the the Wednesday pull podcast, you know they they talk about comics religiously. FTO podcast, all these guys, the opinionated podcast, fa fantastic Frankie Goods on Switch and everything like that, and she'll she'll talk about uh, the derivatives inside of what people are thinking within their own mindset in order to trigger you. But the thing is she's speaking the language and not to antagonize you, but to make you think a little bit better to broaden you up. You know, th this is, this is exactly what it should be. We do, we've been doing movies the same way since the eighties, you know, Cisco and Ebert used to talk big shit about movies. Talk about how they sucked or how they were great. Then all of a sudden, you know, there was entertainment shows talking about movies, get on movie sets and everything like that. 
comics never had that. Comics didn't have the, they didn't have the resources to do exactly what we're doing now. You know, that this day was never upon us. It was just going to be, uh, comics brought out every Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, you get to go. And the thing is like comic cons are not what they were back in the, like the eighties and nineties for everybody that does not know they were star Trek conventions. And all of a sudden a bunch of like, they allowed comic book guys to come in and do dollar bins and everything like that. And it evolved from there because comic shows started to like, um, comic book driven shows started to come out, uh, where DC started to do Batman with Michael Keaton and all those animated series that, that I talked about earlier started to come out. And then it started to, the ball started to roll. Then it was Comic-Con. There is no Star Trek conventions anymore, which is a shame because I love Star Trek. You know, like Star Trek Discovery right now is fire. I'm sorry. But, you know, but this is, this, to be a nerd in this age is cool as shit. It wasn't all that grand voila as it is back in the 80s, late 80s, early 90s. When I was a kid, none of this shit was cool. You had a select number of friends that you kept that shit to. And y'all rapped about it in detail. You never let that shit out. Out of that circle. That was it. But enough of my ranting. All right. So for everybody, thank you guys for being here. I appreciate everybody. Facts Project. We are out.